I think it's pretty interesting. And Matt said we have an intimate group here today. I can't help to take responsibility for it because it was my picture that was there for the week, and everybody decided to stay home. Uh, but you know, it's one of the things they ask you to do when you speak is to say, "Well, you, you know, give us a little bit about your story. Tell you what you've done." And I've been up here now. I think it's my fourth time in the last couple of years, and I've had a, a relatively unnoteworthy life. Uh, I've been married 52 years, and I'm not quite certain what the secret to that is. I know it's not my dancing, that's for sure. Uh, but one of the things I've learned over the time is that friends speak up for you on occasion. And I can remember uh, standing before a church, and they were interviewed, the whole congregation was interviewing me for, a, uh, for, a, for the job. And one of, one of my good friends, one of my good friends stood up and said, I want to support Ken for this position. And I want you all to know, Ken will never stab you in the back. It was a two, three second pause. And he said, he will stab you in the chest. <laughs> now, I didn't know whether that was a compliment or not, but I would guess I was sort of happy to hear it. So in my business career, one time I had a close friend, she was changing careers, and she was moving from nursing to management development. And during her training, she asked, could I use you? I have to use some small businessmen and some large businessmen uh, for training purposes. And I want you to take all these tests that we have, and we're going to evaluate you. I groaned and said, yes. And they said, you know, it's really important. This test has been created by 1,200 psychologists and psychiatrists working together. Well, right off the bat, I'm thinking, how do you get unanimity out of that group? Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, I took the test, and she said, now, when we, we're going to come back in a few weeks, give you our evaluation. But I can't do the evaluation. I have to have my trainer do the evaluation. I said, great, come on back. And our office was set up. We had this large area between offices, office side, mainly because we had St. Bernard, two Great Dane, two English Mastiffs and a Great Dane come to the office every day. But I and we sat there and my wife's office was off to the side and she couldn't be part of this, but I wanted to seat everybody that was from this company in this area so she could hear what they were saying. And they're going through this whole thing, this rigmarole, and they said, oh, you do this, 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 and this, and give me all. And Sandra had warned me, she said, you're not going to like something that he has to say. So he gets all the way to the end, and he says, I've got, but I do have to tell you, you've got one major flaw. Now I'm sitting there thinking, I've got more than one, but okay, if you want to tell me that. He said, you're afraid of confrontation. My wife came out of her office <laughs> and said, what? <laughs> The office administrator stood up and said, that's a terrible evaluation. And I looked at him and I said, you know, everything else you just said just went out the window. I said, you can walk through here and I'll, you can ask any employee if I'm afraid of confrontation. You can ask any of my customers if I'm afraid of confrontation. The problem I have isn't that I'm afraid of it, it's that I enjoy it. <laughs> you know, and so we went. We went into it and back and forth. There's only 1,200 psychologists and psychiatrists put this test together. I said, truth can stand here and everybody else can stand over there. And truth stands alone. 
It doesn't mean anything. I'm confronting you now. <laughs> and he said, well, that's different. <laughs> and I, I, I literally I threw my hands up and I said, Sandra, how can you work for these guys? <laughs> so, but what I want to talk to you about is confrontation. You know, in Galatians 2, there's an interesting verse. And Paul is writing and he says, I am going to confront, I confronted Peter to his face. Now, what caused that? You know, was it a lack of kindness? No. Was it vengeance? No. <clears throat> Peter had aligned himself with the Jewish group, and Paul said, well, you can't do that. And he was so upset that he confronted him to his face. He stood in front of him and took issue with what he had done. Now, there's other passages in the Bible where confrontation, confrontation takes place. One of my favorites is, it's a little known one, it's in 3 John. And John is writing, and in the verse 9, he says, I wrote to the church that Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. I would have to say that's confrontation that's being set up there. You know, he's telling the others to not interfere right now. I'll take care of it, but he's going to take care of it. And then there's some other, I'm only, believe me, this morning we're just going to touch the tip of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg of this whole issue. There's always the response to confrontation that's interesting. One of my favorites, uh, two of my favorites are Moses coming down from the mountain, asks Aaron, where'd this gold calf come from? What do you, you know, what do you, what do you, I just spent 40 days on a mountain speaking directly with God. Now I come back and you guys, have, in 40 days, you've gone from following God to building a gold calf, basically. And Aaron's answer is pretty interesting. Aaron said, uh, Do not be angry with me, my Lord. You know how prone these people are to evil. Right? It's not my fault. It's theirs. They said, Make us gods who will lead us. Thinking, where's Moses? And then he goes on to say, I asked, whoever has any gold jewelry, give it to me. And I threw it in the fire, and out came a calf. <laughs> well, now, that's just not a good response. But why was that, why did that response come out? Because, pardon me, because Moses confronted him. He confronted him over an issue that was pretty important. You got an idol that you're not supposed to have, and you're going to tell me that you collected gold, threw it in a fire, and out popped a calf? <laughs> and that's and Aaron goes, oh, yeah. Another one, going back even earlier in the Bible. God approaches Adam, and he says, what made you eat the fruit? You know, God, he sort of got caught in a sin there. And Adam says, and I quote, The woman who you gave to me to be with, 
she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate it. God, it's not my fault. She was he was confronted by God. That's pretty impressive if you think about it. And God said, and he says to God, not me. You know, how often does confrontation lead to a response where guilt is absolutely denied? But that doesn't stop you from confrontation. Confrontation is not a bad word. It's like the word critic. You know, oh, people say, oh, you're critical. Well, let's think about that. It used to be to critique was just to offer insight into something. I'm a movie critic. You know, that's not bad. You can get a bad review, but being a movie critic isn't bad. That's critical. It's confronting. It's talking about the issues. So what, what do we have to do? What are the things that we should confront? Let me just offer a couple observations on that. First of all, it's not wrong to confront. But one of the things you don't want to confront are matters of taste. You know, uh, one of my, uh, it's a horrible movie. It was Mr. and Mrs. Smith go to Washington. It's Brad Pitt and Angela Jolie. They were, uh, he comes into the house. He's been away for a while. And he says, oh, I see you painted the kitchen. I see you painted the living room. She says, yes. He said, you painted it green. I told you I didn't like green. And she said, well, sit down for a while and see if you like it. So he sits down for a few minutes. Later comes back to him and she says, well, do you like the green? And he goes, no. And she goes, you'll get used to it. <laughs> That's, you don't want to argue over matters of taste. Do I like the Giants? Do I like the Jets? You, know, you don't lose friendship over that. You know, you can have humorous confrontation, but you can't. You just can't break fellowship over that sort of stuff. You don't debate taste. You don't confront over taste. You do, however, confront over issues of ungodliness. You know, every, all four of those illustrations involve sin. And that's an important aspect. We don't, there's a fine line here. You know, we're, I'm not saying you've got to confront somebody over the length of their skirt or over how much makeup they have on or over, you know, you go to the movies, you don't go to the movies. Those aren't the issues that, those are matters of where grace has to be extended. But where there are absolute wrongs, where there are absolute wrongs. Peter sitting down with the Jews at the exclusion of sitting down with the Gentiles. Adam eating the fruit that he was forbidden to eat. Theostrophes, who is gossiping maliciously. Those are matters of sin. You don't let that lie. Too often, and I will use this word without limitation, too often we are cowardly in confronting the matters that are, should be important to God. You don't confront over, I mean, you can talk about, discuss, you don't, but you don't 
confront over issues that are debatable. I, Carl will tell you in front of our own church, it's a Presbyterian church, I'm a Baptist. I call myself a Bacterian. I think I've used that line. <laughs> you know, I believe you were dunked underwater. Oh, you know, if you really want to be, if you really want to be like the Bible and make baptism symbolic, to show the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you should be held under water for 24 hours and two minutes. So it represents the three days. But nobody does that. I don't care how you're baptized. I don't care whether they throw water on you. I don't care whether you're fully immersed. I don't care if you're infant baptized, if it comes down to it. Because there are biblical positions that can be held that support all that. You don't confront over that. You can, you can joke about it, discuss it, try and figure out. You don't break fellowship. So when you confront, be careful on what issues you choose. You don't, You certainly don't start a new denomination up because I believe in baptism, believer's baptism, and you believe in infant baptism. Uh, here's, the, here's the killer, guys. When you confront well, actually, worse than that, when you don't confront over matters that are strong biblical principles, and we'll just use a big word, Jesus Christ was God. When you don't confront over that, what are you condoning? You know, what are you condoning? We'll get to that in a minute. But once you realize that there are areas that you have to confront, uh, the question is, how do you do it? And we can very quickly, I'll give you some hints. Uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Galatians 6.1. You who are spiritual, go to, the, go to those who are caught up in sin, but do it gently. Confrontation is not hostility. Confrontation is for correction. So when you go to someone, you go to them gently. Ephesians 4, you're told... I'm going to paraphrase a verse here without quoting it. You're told, attack the problem, not the person. You know, you don't, you don't go, you stupid idiot. How could you do it? And that's just, all of a sudden, the person's lost interest in what you want to say. You know, you, you attack the problem when you confront. The problem, it doesn't say Peter said, uh, Paul said to Peter, you are the biggest horse's rear end in the world. It says Peter was going to talk to him about, you did this wrong. He attacked the problem. You have to understand that's very important in confrontation. You want to keep the person's attention. You want to do it gently. And you want to do it in a way that points to repentance. And that's a, you know, that's a word you just don't use anymore. A change of direction in the person you're talking to. Now, that's all well and good, but what does that call for on our part? You know, we can, we can talk about what does Christ say when he says, be meek? What does Christ mean when he says, gently restore, uh, you know, don't avoid, don't, uh, don't take offense at things. We can talk about all the, all the reasons to not confront. 
But we can't avoid the, the fact that there are issues to confront. And we have to keep that in mind. It's not ungodly to confront. In Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17, it talks about if a brother has something against you, what do you do? Anybody? Leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled. Go to Yeah. And if that doesn't work, what do you do? What's the second step? Go with somebody else. Go with somebody else. And if that doesn't work, what's the third step? Go to church. Go to church. That's pretty serious. Yeah. It's not gossip, but it's responsibility. And we also have to ask what happens if we fail to confront? You know, if we don't take action when there's sin, I, I, Carl will tell you this. I asked him, I've asked, I've asked a whole bunch of uh, church uh, worship leaders. You know, a Catholic <laughs> priest wrote a hymn in the 1800s that I don't think has been sung in the Christian church since 1970. How many can tell me the first words of onward Christian soldiers? You said it. Go ahead. You just said it. Onward Christian soldiers is the first words. Next Marching as to with the cross of Jesus. Going on before. Where's the royal Okay. Um, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> How many people in the church could comfortably sing that song today? We don't sing it today. Bingo. Why? What does that mean about? What does that say about us? We are afraid of being soldiers in the war. You know. God, if you go through the Bible and you look at words like resist, confront, talk to the, you know, push back against Satan. If you look at all that, that's all confrontational. And those are our responsibilities. Guard. That's another verb that's pretty interesting in the Bible. You know, we have to be able to do this. And if we don't, if we don't realize that we are Christian soldiers, we avoid, we avoid Ephesians where it talks about we don't we battle against principalities and powers. The question isn't who are we battling against. The, the, the question is, are we battling? If we're not, is it because everything's fine or is it because we're afraid? The legitimate question that can be asked is, in our day and age, is, how did the church, the Christian church in our country, get so marginalized in the last 10, 15 years, 20 years? You know, it's not because people have turned their back on God. It's because we are suffering the consequences of our own inaction. You know, we're too willing to say, well, We'll just, you know, we don't want to rock the boat. You know, I don't, I, I don't see that in the scripture. Rocking the boat's part of the deal. Yeah. You know, I should be afraid to do it. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a rant for a minute. I was talking to John Drews the other day, and he's not here today. He actually said to me, he said. I saw the speaker was this week. I'm not coming. And he's not here. <laughs>
It's a matter of taste. I can't. <laughs> but uh, you know, he's he's a town councilman, and he said, "You got to see what's being taught in the schools today." You know, well, why is that happening? It's because we, as Christian men and women, aren't combating it. We're just we tend to go off into small groups and complain about it to each other. But do we write a letter to the Board of Education? Do we go to the Board of Education meetings? You know, no. <clears throat> We're not involved. So what do we expect to happen? The reason this can go on and succeed is because of our own inactivity, our disobedience to Scripture to confront. You know, that's a terrible, terrible aspect. And I, I'll use, you know, Evanston, Illinois just came up with they're going, their uh, pre-K classes are going to start with uh, sexual orientation. That's 45 years old. Now, I'll ask every man in this room, when you were four, did you worry about whether you were a man or a woman? You know, did you even know the difference? You know, I mean, it's a shame that that's going on. I'm to the point... I'm to the point where I want to start start telling people, let's withhold our school tax payment. Mm -hmm. You know, all right, you're going, to, you're going to teach that crap, pardon me, you're going to teach that stuff, I'm not going to pay for it. I don't want to support it. And I, I don't know whether that's right or wrong, but I'm just saying that's me talking about a way to confront. I'm not advocating that you guys do that. I'm just saying that's a stand I might take. Uh, I, you know, we got to go to these people. We got to confront this evil. I listened to a, a, a minister. I listened to a minister speak, and uh, it's a, a, in a black church, and he stood there and he said, "Sexual orientation arguments are Satan." It's the it's the demonology in the Christian church that's allowing this to happen. And he went on a, a long, long rant. And I you know, and I sat there and I listened, I thought, oh, that's pretty emotional. And then I realized he's right. You know, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson said it best. He said, All that it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. You know, we can't do nothing. You know, write letters. If you're not, if you're not a person who can go face to face, write a letter. If you can go face to face, go face to face. Show up before the Ed meetings. Do something. But don't let the church become irrelevant because of your inactivity and your failure and, and fear of confronting the issues that are at hand. But be kind. Now, I don't you know, this is a fairly small group, and I would say that the majority of people agree with what I'm saying. And there may be some people who don't. And I want to respect the views who don't, that don't. Uh, you know, but I'd want to talk to you about it if you don't agree with me. I really want to know why. What, what I say is wrong. You know, I was talking to John, John Cochran. Yeah, I was talking to John Cochran earlier this morning, and he was talking about what were the three topics? 
uh, acceptance, uh, uh, relationship, and love. These are the three topics that he talked about to a group on Wednesday, acceptance, relationship, and love. They have to be part of our confrontation. But acceptance is limited to those things which are godly. You know, it is not, it is not allowing for the things that are ungodly. And again, I want to emphasize, before we go to the question period, I want to emphasize, we don't debate matters of taste. We don't argue matters of taste. We don't become the Pharisees and check the skirt length of women or the hair length of men. I don't care if you have earrings in your ear. I don't care if you have tattoos. I don't care about any of that stuff. But I will ask you, are you leading a life that leads to God? And if you say, well, you know, I certainly got this problem. Uh, and I, 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 all I'm doing is talking to my friends about it, and I'm not going to the person who's got the problem. Let me say flat out, you're not leading the life of God. Carl and I, we worked together for, what, three years, I think. And uh, we had, every once in a while, Carl, myself, and another fellow would shoot baskets. We'd, we'd play, uh, play horse. And... Uh, I had one rule. I said, you can't, you can't leave your feet when you make your shot. I can't jump for it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the one guy who was, you know, he's 20, well, 3, 24 years old, he could dunk a basketball a lot. You know, he's going to compete with him. So he put this rule in. And Carl had this one goofy shot. He put his, <laughs> put his leg against the wall like this and he'd shoot the basket. <laughs> and he'd make it. Uh, nobody in their right mind takes that shot in the game. Nobody. But he made that shot. I never once went up to him and said, you can't make that shot. That is just, it's a, it's a sinful shot. As much as I believed it was. <laughs> you know, but we also had talks where we had to hold each other accountable. You know, one of my jobs is to see that the staff is doing what it's doing. Pardon me, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And we would have some discussions, and everybody would. And I had one woman say to me, I feel every time I'm in your office, I'm being called to the vice principal's office. And Lord knows I had enough, I had, I had uh, enough experience in my life to know what it's like to be called to the vice principal's office. I didn't want that to happen. But you still, you know, you have to make judgments. We talked to, I was talking to uh, Matt, and he had an incident at work where it was unpleasant, but he had to face up to it. You know, we all have those issues. But I will repeat, I will repeat Thomas Jefferson, especially when it comes to the issues of the day. If we fail, if we fail to confront it, if we allow sin to run rampant, if we allow the church to become marginalized because we didn't take action, we are letting evil triumph. And we, as a church, and as individuals, will suffer the consequences of our actions. It is not God judging us. It is us receiving the consequences of our action or inaction. So gentlemen, I ask you today, take a look at the questions that are here. And there are, I, I had trouble limiting it to eight questions. I, you know, I, 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 I,
oh, yeah. 40 that I had to the bond. You know, oh, don't you watch that. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about it when you come when, when we come back, and I'd like to leave 10 minutes or so for questions. But please give it some consideration, and more than that, consider what it is you can do to help correct the issues of the day. Thank you. Thank you.